podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello, and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey, but guys, he forgot his hat. I'm sure he'll be back. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back into our ongoing mega series. It is Stranger Things season again, so we wanted to spend our summer covering films and filmmakers that influenced the hit Netflix series. Uh, The first half of our mega series featured discussions on the works of John Carpenter, and in this second half, Reed and I, to show our love for you, our listeners, made you a mixtape. This half of our mega series has been featuring four films that have inspired the whole concept of Stranger Things. Last week, we were joined by Fog Continuity Guru Stephen Beckley as we examined 1988's landmark anime film Akira as part of our 80s mixtape series. But if last week's film featured a character who inspired our favorite Jane Hopper, today we'll be looking at a film and a franchise that inspired the portrayal of her surrogate father, Jim Hopper. That's right. Don your fedora, grab your whip, friends and foggers, because we're heading to the Temple of Doom with the one and only Indiana Jones. Additionally, we'll be featuring friend of the show and my brother, Josh Rouse, back on for our patron-only segment covering Stranger Things Season 4, Episode 8. But before we fall asleep on a plane with no pilot, permit me to remind you, listeners, that here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain. Except for right now when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at thefearofgodpodcast.com. 
Things such as how to support us on Patreon, as well as essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise. <laughs> Read. Oh man! <laughs> hey man! Hey buddy! Man, what a beautiful score that is! How you doing, dude? Uh, honestly, I've been better, but the show must go on. <laughs> little clammy, little little sweaty, little you know, oh, little green around the gills, mm-hmm. but it is all good because you know. Have you been Have you been spending some time in the tunnels of Kali Ma? Is that Is that what's, goodness gracious? That's what's it feels on. like it. It feels Ooh, like it. Um, speaking <laughs> of <laughs> nothing that you just referenced, um, <laughs> it is business time. Read. We've got to highlight. Hey. I mentioned this a minute ago. You can go to the website, thefearofgodpodcast.com, and you can join Patreon. Mm-hmm. More than ever this year, it might be time for you to join Patreon because... <laughs> anytime I do something like that, it reminds me of Monsters, Inc. Because... Sushi, you think this is about sushi? That gets oh res- yes, that yes. line gets yes. quoted in our house like a lot. Um, <laughs> don't ask me why. But charming, we do like sushi in our house. Um, join Patreon because read what what does joining Patreon circa this time of year at least flirt with people being able to get a little well, while the, from now? Here's the thing: is that we are coming up on like in just a few weeks. It is going to be October which as Ray Bradbury says is a wonderful time. Um, And it is a time where not only do we celebrate Halloween proper, which man, you, you coined it last week. Uh, What a warm blanket Halloween is. I could not agree more with that sentiment and that descriptor, Uh, but specifically for fog members, fog patron members at the $10 or more level. uh, We have a sequel to what we did last year, we had a grand old time at the first annual Fogaween. We had games, we had prizes that were given, we had loads of people that we got to meet, albeit virtually, um, but we got to finally meet lots and lots of people and had lots of laughs, and it was just an absolutely outrageously fantastic time. Um, and so we are doing it again because, I mean, you can't have too much of a great thing. So uh, the only way that you are going to because you know we, we like to to give our our patrons some exclusivity to all that they invest in the show for us uh, we invest back in them so uh, in order to receive an invitation to Fogaween 2022 uh, you have to be a patron at the ten dollar or more level uh, and and listen I'll I'll be honest with you and candid if you just want to join at the ten dollar level for the month of October so you can come hang out at Fogaween and then. Do what you want to. I don't know your life after that. So, uh, so yeah. But <laughs> that was a, that was like, I don't know you. You don't know me. You, know, you might have. I, I don't know. You got 10 bucks. Come to Fogaween. I don't know. You know, that was really funny. So, um, said that. But, uh, but indeed, uh, pay to hang out with us. $10 or more level. Yeah. You get to hang and out with us other for, uh, for a wonderful night. It's, uh, it's uh, uh, the specific date is still uh, TBD to be determined, but um, it is going to be probably the the last weekend of October, uh, whatever date works best for the participants who are going to be involved, which again will be uh, patrons at the $10 or more level. So that's how you can get part of Fogaween 2022. I'm excited. I'm very Speaking of being patrons, Reed, it is, if I'm being real frank, time to go to the patron mobile. 
So about this movie, I love how oh like my that gosh. little bit has become like jackass Nathan's like, so what are you going to do about this movie? You know, when really <laughs> it's just a, a weird hybrid accent. Yeah, yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's way, just to, like, a way to help you come at a time. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is very helpful. Hi. Yeah, sure. Good. I'm glad it is because, you know, I'm, I like looking like a doofus, but especially when it matters and it's valuable. <laughs> so, man. Oh, man. What? What? Oh, six man. years strong. Right? Six years strong. Fog for life. Six, six years strong. Whoever thought years. we get to do something so fun as talk about an Indiana Jones film. Um, I can't. I can't even. Man. Well, we're here. And uh, so I do posed a question. We're going to we're going to do this. Okay. 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 I'm, I'm right. still not okay. super. Right. Here we go. I'm still not super in love with, but you, you, um, the listicle showed up last week, and I feel <laughs> the need to bring him back. Um, lackey, the listicle, my occasionally listless looks making lackey. <gasps> Hi, everybody. There he is. There you are. So I missed you. It's been so long. <laughs> so oh. this time, lackey, the listicle, and Nathan, the notary, are teaming up. I don't remember your name for me. Say it. Yeah, uh, you know what? I don't have it written down in front of me. I'm oh. try it. Uh, Nathan the Notary, my notorious naysayer of nefarious nomenclature. I, maybe. <laughs> nefarious? I, I don't know. That that gives a negative tone. But maybe, maybe, you know, notorious? Yeah, nefarious Nefarious is distinctly notorious. kind of villainous. So, yeah, uh, but right. uh, That's not me. Uh, maybe, I'm, yeah. So, I'm a, so, I'm a no, milky no, teddy no, bear. Nathan, Nathan the Notary, my notorious naysayer of nominal nomenclature. I don't know. I remember yeah, nomenclature well, was in there. Next I should have written it down. Next time, show up. Next ready, time, write ready. it down and show. <laughs> just, wow, it's gum, been a I'll long tell you day. What. <laughs> Don't I know? So, um, so I posed this question after watching Temple of Doom, and I'm not totally mm-hmm. ready, but I've got some selections, and I'm just going to go with it because that's what I do. I don't make lists. I make impressions, and then we go with the impressions. Mm-hmm. Um, you make but notes. The actual, You're a notary. Yes. The actual, yeah, that's it. Nefarious notary. No, the nefarious notary. I make the list. No you make the notes. <laughs> Ooh. Fair. Nice. Fair. Um, so I watched Temple of Doom. And you did. Within moments, yes. Unlike Vera Gaudi and the Goonies. Give me a break. Um, just kidding. That was all my fault. Uh, That's, uh, uh, but I did watch the Goonies. Just kidding, Vera. You're the best. Um, so watch <laughs> Temple of Doom to be able to talk about it. And what I posted to social media after doing so was, I can't help but wonder, is there a more iconic and perfect Mm. cinematic pairing of character to performer than Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones? Followed by the only one, the only other one that came to mind in the moment is, yes, Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Um, And you (laughs) decided, oh, we'll make that a segment. So here we are. And... (laughs) Reed's got to make every, some sort of everything. <laughs> so, um, I don't know how you filtered your list. I have four written down. Oh, um, I've got four. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah. So, th- because I can share my criteria the, at some point. But I okay, so that's where I'm leaning here too. Yeah. Is because people responded, and actually, I'm going to shout him out here in a second because one of my peers on social media did reference this one and it, it works. Um, 
Had a bunch of folks respond. Some of them, yeah, okay, I can see some of them are like, well, not exactly what I was going for. To be fair, my my post was a little off the cuff, but rooted in, holy cow, the impact culturally this character as only existing by way of this performer had is kind of yeah. uh, ins- insurmountable. And so for my list of four, mm-hmm. which again, I could maybe toggle one or two others in and out, but this is what I got, was... Was that spirit one that the live action performance doesn't work without the particular performer? This mm. then coupled with degree of cultural impact. That's the thing I didn't prep you for because I do think there are things like, so for instance, um, I thought about um, Kyle Chandler, Coach Taylor. You know what? On a certain level, okay. that one kind of works for me. Uh, but sure, sure. I love Kyle Chandler as Coach Taylor. I don't know mm-hmm. that it hits these levels. So, so cultural impact yeah, yeah. became a guideline get it. guiding light for me there. So, so okay. I want to hear your first, um, my, well, these are no can I get my criteria? Sure. Yeah, please. No. So, so just briefly, just, uh, so what my list is, I did not factor in cultural impact, but what's interesting okay. is as I look over my four, I may as well have, these are indelible to culture. Um, my criteria was number one, the character in the film couldn't be a mere archetype. So it couldn't be just, oh, this is a great example of a Western hero like Clint Eastwood's Man with No Name or something like that. I I disqualified characters like that. The other thing that I did, uh, doesn't mean you had to, is I didn't allow myself to use characters that were based on books. So it had to be a unique cinematic creation, which... Mm. Helped me make my list. Um, it, It helped me make my list because then I could eliminate like... Harry Potter and, you know, Annie Wilkes, mm, Kathy Bates sure. kind of stuff. Like, you know, I, I, it just helped me to be able to just wash that all away. I was like, for my list, it had to be unique cinematic creations. Couldn't be based on previously existing material, either a TV show or book or comic or anything else. Um, and then the other one is kind of similar to what you described earlier. The actor's performance had to be so indelible that even if it was play, even if the character had been played by somebody else, and two of mine have, even if the character had been played by somebody else, the definitive, like, it's indelible, this character right. is this person, and you just can't think of it in any different terms. So that was that was my criteria. So. Sure. Well, I want to nuance a little bit, too. So you're going to see a theme here, and it's partly just the franchise model started. I couldn't get away from it. And um, while I did not omit pre-existing characters, that was my impulse initially. But the more mm. I pondered mm-hmm. the ones I chose, the more I'm like, but what they did in performance became the template for the publication moving forward. So you're getting a sense of where I'm heading here. But um, go ahead and start with one of yours, um, and then I'll pivot okay. over to my to one of mine. All right. So uh, I'm going to start with the one that is probably the least obvious uh, in these. Um, man, all four of mine are great. No, I'm just I'm just gonna go in the order they came to. No, I just I love it. All four of my great. All right, so so this is a little we're, bit. We're of, automatically uh, excluding Indiana Jones, though, right? We're not. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Indy, okay, Indy's okay. not on mine. Yeah, because because that prompted. And yeah. I should also say, in case I stumble into ones that other people mentioned, I saw your post, but yeah. didn't see anybody anybody's responses. So sure. apologies if I trample on somebody else's nope. and pass it off as my own. This is an original. Um, okay, so my first one. It's the one, the only. Arnold with I'll be back like Arnold as mm, the Terminator, Terminator. Okay. is 
specifically Arnold as the Terminator. There have been other Terminators that have been that have made their way to film, but it's Arnold. Arnold's original creation from that original film and even the reinterpretation in the subsequent films, like you think Terminator, you think Arnold. And to a degree, you think Arnold, you think Terminator. I mean, they called sure. him the governor when he was the governor of California. So they're, they're, they're so indelible as an entity. I was like, Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator is is on my Mount Rushmore of these these lists. So I can get behind that. And um, here's the thing. You make lists and you get very enthused about them. I make lists <laughs> and because I'm like, maybe. Um, so um, I actually really <laughs> like my choices. But it's funny because someone offered Arnold's and Terminator didn't immediately come to mind. And I was like, eh, he's in a lot of stuff. You know, your commando, running man, you know, even Predator. Mm. But it, I just... Again, I don't, I don't think deeply about the questions I sometimes ask of a pop culture variety. So I just wasn't thinking about that. But no, that one definitely works. So uh, potentially least of mine, uh, I'll throw here, not because I don't, it doesn't meet the criteria I was after, but because someone can make a case of like, oh, that's a cheat. So I'm, I'm I can understand that. Um, I did in this yeah. spot choose uh, Andy Circus's portrayal of Gollum slash Smeagol. Oh, okay. Um, okay. You know, it it carved out a brand new path in the entire cinema industry. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a world where anyone else does not deliver what became mm-hmm. that character. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's mine. Um, uh, kind of fourth on the list. Gollum, Andy Circus. So I'll say, I'll say this because I, I applaud this. This is not a ding. Like if, if I had been including, it, it's part of why I couldn't for myself include pre-existing characters because I didn't specifically think of Gollum. But yeah, that absolutely deserves to be on the list of that because Circus is that character. And you're right. You are absolutely right about it. Opened up this whole doorway for possibilities and conversations about how to view performance art. So yeah, it's a great. That's a great one. Um, okay, next on my list is. Uh, we will go out of sci-fi and go specifically into straightforward drama. I put Sylvester Stallone as Rocky Balboa. Um, okay. Yeah. So I love because out of the gate you've got Arnold and Sly. That like that is the yeah, most read exactly right list yeah. of the it's, answers it's to this list. Any list, any list re, of, yeah. of humans in the world, reads yeah. gonna find a way to try to get yeah. Arnold and Sly yeah. on there. Arnold That's and Sly hilarious. on there. But but again, no, you know, I love like, it. It works. Those those proclivities be there. Like, you know, Sylvester Stallone, again, like Arnold, has played a bevy of different characters, but Rocky Balboa, like that's it. And Sly's particular sort of lilt lilted speech, you know, works so much so well for the character. And uh yeah, they're they're indelible as that. So yeah, Sly Stallone as Rocky Balboa. No, that works. And it's really funny how much my choices are reflective of my brain and, and surface level interests. So to <laughs> yours, and that's, that's really humorous to me. So the next three, I, I'm going to put this one third because sadly they just didn't get quite enough of an at bat, but my pick here is Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa. Um, I think mm, mm. cultural impact is kind of immeasurable to have a character to have a, a character performed by that actor reach the heights of significance it did um, is kind of insane. And I think yeah. it's one of the reasons when he passed, I, uh, to the extent anyone at, you know, Disney Marvel cares what I think it, it's, I was like, you can't, you cannot recast him. Definitely not yet. Like the moment mm-hmm. might come, 
where the character T'Challa is portrayed by someone else in a multiverse setting, and that's how you get there. But I was like, it's too, it's too important what he did. And so when the question of, you know, intertwining how enmeshed uh, and cultural impact a character and a performer are, it felt, it felt, you know, kind of out of bounds to, to omit him there. So, yeah. Mm, yep. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. Uh, my number three uh, is somebody that would probably be, yeah, we're going to keep with the drama theme. I'll save the horror one that I made for the last. Um, okay. So my number three is Pat Morita as Mr. Mm. Miyagi. Um, mm-hmm. Even though Jackie Chan later played the character in the remake of the film, uh, Pat Morita is who people think of his particular vocal affectations his particular stature and and frame and just that visage so indelible not only to the character of Mr. Miyagi but also to the idea of sensei in many ways um and mm-hmm. in in some contexts for fans of karate kid or people who have seen that that Miyagi is the ultimate sensei um and so yeah so pat my on my list uh is pat morita as mr miyagi i didn't really rank these this time but yeah pat morita okay. as mr miyagi I'm I'm sort of mentally ranking them in real time for mine, but you know I, I kind of love all these choices. So again, thematically, some threads here. So um, my next would be, and again, think cultural impact too. Though all four of these exist characters exist uh, uh, previously in different publishing settings. Mm-hmm. How I was measuring this was degree of familiarity previous to performance x right like like mm, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. from that standpoint my if i'm ranking these my number one and number two my last two are very 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 close to each other but um okay. this is the one i'll give credit to a gentleman named benjamin umansky uh who put this in my brain and the minute he said it, i was like yep that's it and that's rdj as tony stark iron man mm, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in 2008 2007 if you'd polled hundred people out in the wild and said Iron Man, they would have been like, Hmm? You know. Who? <laughs> right. Exactly. Her? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so to take a character that had pre existed for forty years. Oh absolutely. and to right. elevate yeah. it to like to even call Iron Man the character a household name in twenty twenty two feels diminished, right? Like mm. mm-hmm. this is one of the signature stars in, uh, portraying living into imbuing in character form what has become perhaps one of the most recognizable visual characters in pop culture yeah. period um absolutely so yeah that would be absolutely rdj iron man all right um my number four or you know my fourth and final uh top of the list bottom of the list whatever um is one that is so indelible that we even saw a portrayal as a portrayal by a different actor of this character. And it just, this is a great actor, but it just, it just wasn't the same. It definitively just could not get off the ground. Um, and, uh, in the spirit of horror, Robert England as Freddy Krueger, like, <laughs> like the, that, that, that marriage, what he brings to that character. And again, I'm, I was going based off only unique cinematic sure. creations, um, but, uh, that character is just, and again, ubiquity in culture, uh, even extends to people who have never, ever seen those films, mm-hmm. uh, understands, 
you know, that character knows it and everything. So, so yeah, that's, that's my list. I got Arnold and Sly and Robert England, and Pat Morita. Those are, awesome. those are my four. My last one, honestly, again, this one in RDJ would, would maybe duke it out a little bit. Um, the only reason I might give the edge to this one is this character was a star making, was a career making casting choice for this actor. Whereas RDJ at least had a couple decades worth of career under his belt already. Yeah. Yeah. And too. Yeah. to the point that, and you'll see where I'm heading here to the point that even when considerations of replacing this actor in this character who is still alive, uh, enter conversation, everyone is hesitant to make this choice. And that's Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know that I would say the character Wolverine quite hit as globally as an, an Iron Man would, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that role played over 24 years, effectively. Uh, first X-Men came out in 99, I believe. So 22, 20, 20 years at least. Um, career defining. You know, oh, yeah. it is yeah. it is the sort of uh, when I say, um, you know, the portrayal on screen redefined what the the sort of design of the character was in publishing. This is what I'm talking about. Like mm-hmm. he re, he he this character had never been performed in live action setting. You know, God bless Doug Ray Scott, who had the role for a hot minute before Jackman was <laughs> offered it. But to. In, in the measure of cultural impact, character and performer, there's a reason. There is a reason people in chatter about future castings of Wolverine go ahead and pivot. I don't know if you know who this character is, but there's a character named Laura. I think her name's Kearney, but she's, well, it's, it's a hmm. uh, Logan, the, the young kind of oh, young yeah, female yeah, yeah. Wolverine. The, the, yeah. Yeah. This is why yeah. people sort of are just like, let's go ahead and put that character because yeah. who's going to replace Logan? The, the character of Wolverine, mm-hmm. uh, who wants to, to yeah. carry that forward uh, if it's not Hugh Jackman. Well, um, if, any, if anyone's listening I and has that. decisions uh, uh, involved in this, I would like to carry it forward. But, you know, <laughs> I would still do it with great <laughs> trepidation and anxiety. Um, oh, man. That's awesome. That's well, that was awesome. fun. So, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. That was the, that was the appearance, you know, uh, by... Lackey the listicle, the occasionally listless list-making lackey, and Nathan the notary, my notorious naysayer of negligibly nomus nomenclature, which there I you go. looked up. And Nathan the nocturnal. Yes. Uh, Nathan the half-hearted. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let's the do this, because, because what spawned even that was my watching of Temple of Doom and just being just... I don't even know that I would say, oh, Temple of Doom's a favorite of this franchise per se, but just this portrayal of this character by this actor is just peak franchise cinema. I mean, just Mm -hmm. nothing. Mm -hmm. Even as I was thinking about my list, I even thought about Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker. And I think there's a world where maybe, maybe, but I don't know the legs are quite there right at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Although maybe, maybe, you know, uh, Star Wars heads, will we'll come at me for that, but, um, <laughs> they'll come at you just, for anything. You just mentioned sure, Star Wars. They're ready. They're just like, what'd you say? I said, I love Star Wars. Oh, okay. All right, fine. <laughs> okay. Which one, which one? <laughs> only Razor Skywalker. This is the only one worth loving. I'm, I'm um, not answering that question. Leave me sure, alone. Get yeah, out of my but, house. <laughs> but I couldn't shake. It's just, it is wild watching cinema magic. I mean, if I'm being real frank here, it's like <clears> Spielberg, George Lucas, 
um, who, again, this is actually largely considered one of the not wonky in terms of execution, but it's a little it's got a little bite to it. It's a little mean spirited. It's got maybe some racial mm-hmm. elements that that aren't haven't aged well. Um, True. That said, in terms of filmmaking and mm-hmm. putting really attractive actors in really compelling roles and letting them cook. I don't know that there's quite a level like this that he pulls off here. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're referring specifically just to Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford yep. or the film is it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, something that we don't get a strong sense of anymore these days. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but, um, I have only seen parts of this, so I'm so I'm literally just going to point to it to use to borrow the language. Ethan Hawke recently uh, directed a, a docu series for yeah. HBO called "The Last Movie Stars," um, and so I literally only reference it because I've I've watched a little bit of it, so it's in my brain. But also that that phrasing "movie star," mm-hmm. um, we have a lot of celebrities and a lot of very talented actors and performers and everything, but there is. Something, and again, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but I think Harrison Ford is cut from this kind of cloth of just like, that man's a movie star. And I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, the, there are a, a, a lot of talented performers like that, but it's almost like, I won't say the acting is inconsequential, but Harrison Ford has delivered plenty of performances where I'm like, that's that's not a very good performance or whatever, you know, like, but it's just, he's so charismatic. He's so eminently watchable. Just the camera absolutely loves him. Like he's just a yes. born movie star, you know? It's well, it's just, so funny that you, that, yeah. that to hear you kind of go down that path. Cause one, I am interested in that Ethan Hawke period, that piece, but also what two, I've seen of it, I've liked, it's good. Yeah. Um, mm, I'm not going to, name this performer because it's it feels mean-spirited to beat up a little bit but there's there is an actor presently you know headlines huge franchise films that in a lot of ways i really enjoy in some ways i find a bit a bit cloying on screen um uh uh and uh, strong word here but a bit insecure and it was so funny because of this watching temple of doom and this is what i mean by the film craft it's like you know, Spielberg knows how to light. Spielberg knows how to frame shots. Spielberg knows where to focus. But you watch Harrison Ford in this and dad gummit. You're like, this guy is a friggin' natural. Like he is absolutely delivering lines, you know, with swagger to spare, um, totally confident, owning every shot he's in. Um, so no, it, it is, it is just wild watching something like this. And, and to be fair, while, and we can we can dally here a little bit if we'd like to, but I love a uh, very special place in my sort of adolescent heart is Last Crusade. Um, I haven't rewatched it or Raiders anytime recently. I saw Crystal Skull mm. once in the theater, found nothing really enjoyable about it, which is unfortunate, um, and have never revisited it. And so, you know, I don't know if I were to sit down and watch all of them how I would feel across the entire franchise, but even just watching this sure. one, it's just an actor at his peak. Um, just, just killing it. Well, it, uh, so if I can piggyback off of that, yeah, I've rewatched kingdom of the crystal skull once. So I've seen it a total of twice when I saw it in the theaters, I fell asleep. So if that tells you anything, but um, I, uh, not for the whole movie, uh, unfortunately, but I did fall asleep. <laughs> but I, did fall asleep I love that you felt the need to qualify that. Like, wait a minute. It sounds like I just took a hour nap in a movie theater. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I don't like Kingdom of Crystal Skull almost at all. 
Um, Last Crusade, specifically for me, is on a very, very small list of films that when I was eight or nine years old, I got the VHS and just wore the dang thing out. Uh, The the three films that immediately come to mind are Beetlejuice, Batman, and Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Uh, Interesting that there's two Tim Burton films in there, but... um, Last Crusade is so, and I've and I've rewatched Last Crusade multiple times since then, dude. If you feel, and I'm not taking anything anything away from Temple of Doom, we're talking about Temple of Doom, but the energy that you feel right now, like man, revisit Last Crusade sure. sometime because holy well, I, I do cow, love that one. It's, and, and it's amazing. It really does have a lot of sentimental value to me, but yes, yeah. And most people regard Raiders as a <laughs> most objective thinkers regard Raiders as a superior film. I don't join them and I don't know if I'm being superior totally objective to, to join them. or just period. What yes. Yeah. Uh, Raiders as peak Indiana Jones. Raiders is a, is a phenomenal film. I love it. Uh, last crusade does have an edge above it for me personally. Um, that's what I would put at the top. Um, but they are on peer shelves. Raiders and last crusade are, are just amazing movie magic. Temple of doom for, for me is like, I, 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 I'm struggling to find a way to describe it appropriately, but it's the one that's like, it's a little bit more absurd. It's a little bit more manic. I love the way you put it earlier where it's like, it's got a little bite to it. There's some elements to it that haven't aged uh, terribly well, uh, just in terms of like stereotypical things and stuff like that. Um, but what I love about how you've couched this here specifically, you know, I'll, I'll take your note about Harrison Ford's performance, build upon it on the whole film is if taken on, if taken by comparison to its older and younger brothers in Raiders and Last Crusade, it's going to be sort of third on the list for 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 almost anybody. Um, but if taken on its own merits, it's such a propulsively enjoyable piece of filmmaking. Like, it's just, it's so, yeah, there are some elements in there that are just like, well, that's just a little wacky, and that's just a little manic. And uh, I, I think in this one, more so than any of the others, except for maybe Crystal Skull, there, I usually don't feel in in an Indiana Jones film. That's not physically possible, <laughs> but I feel it several times in this movie. <laughs> and I'm not oh, yeah. just talking about the heart, sure. you know. But oh. there's several times where I'm just like, that's that's not. You don't think possible. that um that uh mine mine ride mine train ride is uh believable? Um, <laughs> but you know what's funny it about literally you like say- hops the track? Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> okay, you know, here we are. <laughs> you made it, guys. Listen, if John Carpenter can split a cab in half, this little train sure, track, yes, can, you know, I'm not like, going to take this away from right over there. You know, um, <laughs> but you know what's funny about you saying that because what I actually thought is watching it is while I will agree with you that there's some some mad capery to the to the proceedings. You can push back if you want. I just won't listen. I don't ever feel like. <laughs> In this movie, I mean, you can waste your breath if you'd like to. Yeah, yeah, yeah I won't care. Um, uh, in this movie, I never feel like Harrison Ford winks at us, and that's saying something given the nature. Like he doesn't. He feels it's he totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, Kate Capshaw. Every now and then, I'm like, okay, okay, let's. But that's mm-hmm. sound, now. I just most like of the rest of the movie turd. does, but <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I, I, Capshaw's included in that. I, th- I think she's adorable in this movie, but she is very much playing to the to the cheap seats. She's playing. Yeah. Very, very big and very, very broad performance. And it's a choice. I'm not even saying that as a ding. It's a choice that she makes for this character. Everything's exaggerated. I, I'm also agreeing with you. Ford never winks at us once yeah. in this. He plays it very direct. I, I agree with that assessment. Many other things in the film do 
wink at us in some absurd ways, but Ford never does. Yeah. I agree. And, 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 and that kind of impressed me. I was like, he is, mm-hmm. he is swinging for it. And that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Any just sort of There's one. generic stuff before we get to that, ain't right? Uh, that you want to highlight? Um, you caught you caught uh, who the gentleman was leading them to the plane, right? Um, I didn't initially, but it's Dan Aykroyd, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I felt proud of myself in watching that film as an adult that I caught it without uh, looking it up. But um, the the one thing that I yeah, I mean, like we could pivot into that ain't right, but there's lots of little didactic things that you could sure. kind of point to. It's 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 hard to know exactly what to uh, i'll say it this way <laughs> it's funny i'm so sorry to cut you off but your 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 note about the movie winking at us what just came to mind was the i don't know three thousand foot drop of a of a inflatable device you know that hits the ground with ease and then careens <laughs> off <laughs> yes. a cliff into the water safely you know like, okay no, oh you're yeah right, you're all right, of right, it right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like yeah this is a this is a titanium raft is what this sure. is yeah, like they're this the, is stupid. you know yeah. but I, I mean like yeah it's it's it's, it's kind of lunacy but um but yeah then there's also like the dinner scene where it's just like okay sure. like come on <laughs> like this, this is a little absurd um but i think to the the thing that just really holds it back a bit for me are it it's also a little loosey goosey with just time and 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 placement realities like we talked about that train car you know just like jumping sure. off the tracks i will never forget shout out to you know our our professor our mutual professor and uh, guest of the show keith cassidy where he said that when he watched that in the theater i think he was the one who shared the story he said when he watched that in the theater he heard audible groans from among the audience when that happened where he was just like uh like it's just it's just kind of really really ridiculous it's funny i think because i think my critic hat wants to be more indicting of some of those excesses excesses Mm -hmm. and i do think i do think yeah there's some silliness there but something about watching it this time in part because it's been years i mean decades since i'd actually sat down and watched this movie beginning to end that just kind of, I kind of didn't care. And said so that was a little bit fun mm. um, to just like, okay, cool. That just happened. Whatever. You know, um, <laughs> it just, it just didn't bother me a whole lot. Even if yes, in an empirical kind of objective film criticism way, that's dumb, you know, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I did. I love, also love how, yeah. Oh no, sorry. We both started. Do you, you uh, first? No, I'm going to let you go. Little guy, my little short round. Wow. Well, I didn't mean to. Wow. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the, uh, I love how, when he drinks the poison, mm-hmm. the poison from Cusco, literal poison. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the poison, right? Um, <laughs> so when he, <laughs> when he, uh, like seconds after he drinks it, he's like collar sweat and it's already starting to do his work. But we have a whole ten minute scene of yes. him running and jumping and 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 dodging yeah. everything else. And even the guy said like the poison works fast. I'm like, well, not that fast. Because yeah. I mean, like, you know, faster if you die by gunshot. That's what I'm talking about. Because- is I was like, okay, you know, this this feels like a really <laughs> slow acting poison. You know, is he like worked up his iocane powder resistance? <laughs> Man sighted Iocane powder. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God. But like, even here, he's before he jumps in front of the gong, he's just like out exposed with very close gunfire. Oh, but yeah. all they can hit are the tiny chains to the left of him. <laughs> like, that's all they can hit. <laughs> so, well, and um, it's, it's funny. I, I'm going to pivot into maybe a a, a, a dislike that, that gets me to a like. So, 
you know, this movie does have a bit of a, a checkered uh, genesis insofar as, you know, even Spielberg and Lucas talk about it being a little bit mean spirited um, because they both mm-hmm. were, you know, in, in the midst of romantic uh, relationships falling apart and how that kind of comes out yeah. in perhaps some unfortunate ways in the film. So mm-hmm. I do think it's, you'd use this word. It's a choice. I think it might be a poor choice that Kate Capshaw is, is her delivery is the way it is. I think it's a poorer choice that they let that be the performance. Um, meaning yeah, like yeah. the movie yeah. clearly is make lampooning her that one, you know, the mm-hmm. only female of any significance in the film. It's one thing to be a bit like, you know, stereotypical, you know, woman on an adventure story. Like that's one thing to kind of play with some of those tropes. It's another thing, just how far they lean into it. That's a long winded, mm-hmm. quitted, long winded criticism, not a long winded criticism, a long winded criticism <laughs> to get to all of that said, I found great joy in the scene in the jungle when short round and Indy are trying to play cards and oh, it's they so are funny. just going back and forth. Uh, just fighting about cheating or not cheating. And she's, yes, it's almost Looney Tunes ask. She just keeps encountering mm-hmm. these escalating degrees of threat in the jungle setting. But I, I did love that set piece. That was really it's, fun. I mean, it's funny. She and the, she and the vampire bat, like screaming at yes, each other yes. in each other's faces. Yes. It's yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing is like, if you can let, and it sounds like you did in your viewing of it, if you can kind of just embrace that early on, then it's not bothersome. If you if you can just embrace earlier that I mean you use the word Looney Tunes that it's like yeah it it, it kind of has that energy and if you can just get on that wavelength pretty much from the first scene then you'll have a whole lot more fun with it than if you try to view it as directly adventure realism as Raiders and I mean let it not be let it not go unnoticed I'm I'm not acting as if Raiders and Last Crusade are hyper realistic films sure. I mean, Raiders the Ark of the Covenant opens up and melts everybody and you know you have hey, the chalice scene maybe. And, you know maybe, you know but we don't know you don't <laughs> you, you've been there you know so that's <laughs> um, what I thought so um, the, but uh, you know, it's just in general those films I love your phrasing earlier those films don't wink at you they are very they're more rooted in sort of believability in a way that this one clearly just well, I abandons. Think, I think very because early. for some reason, I mean, he's a handsome fella because I was watching Ford so much and, and trying to, <laughs> trying to pay attention to his performance. I don't know. You know, it just was so magnetic. I think I kind of forgave a lot of the, the chatter around him. Um, yeah. In a way that, that yeah. mm-hmm. didn't bother me that much. However, <laughs> sure. however, listen, Harrison Ford's a handsome devil. He is. It is a good look. <laughs> Indiana Jones in his alter ego form as Professor Indiana Jones in glasses. It's a good look. It does. It works for him. Yeah. But why? He don't need them. <laughs> he does not need those glasses. Are you really? Tr- Everybody knows who you are. Like this isn't. This ain't some Clark Kent scenario. Like why are you wearing those glasses? You don't need them. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's a weird costuming choice you know I, like i love the idea of on set forward being like well wtf because he probably would say that <laughs> why are you handing <laughs> indiana jones whose whole shtick is in complete uh control of all of his senses embarking on these wild adventures glasses right right it's like well because he looks more <laughs> professorial like uh, 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 he, he does <laughs> but 
you know, the bow tie is one thing. The bow tie works, you know, <laughs> but you put that man in glasses. It's like, it's just a dumb choice. It really doesn't work. It's no, I, I get it. I get it. Well, speaking of dumb choices, is it time now to, to talk about the things that aren't just wrong, but, uh, one might say that ain't right. Sure as hell ain't right. Let's do it. There is a lot. Right. There's actually a lot of that ain't right in here. For there is so much that ain't right that Just... is not, uh, you know, class classified as quote unquote horror. One, it did beget an entire new MPAA rating. Um, sure did. Of the PG, this and Gremlins. That of the PG thirteen. Um, mm-hmm. It is. It's got a lot of nasty up in here. Um, it's so nasty. Let me start. Let me start because read you. Listeners, start. Won't say that I just raised my hands because that's how strong this one is. There's a lot of nasty in here, and we can pick apart. I know where you're pieces. going. Re re, you going? Re re, re lackey, my friend, my compatriot of decades. <laughs> that those bugs, that floor mm, mm, of mm, bugs, mm, mm, her having mm, to reach in. The way they shot it about being spirited, creepy crawlies <laughs> on her back, like oh my god! I'm yeah. not saying uh, yeah. I would eat monkey brains before I would do what she had to do there, but I would consider it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's Listen, I know, I already know. Listen, uh, n- probably no friend, and maybe nobody besides you know my immediate family uh loves me more than you do but i know full well if i was trapped in that place and you'd i needed dead. you to reach your hand in I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd be gone it's you'd be sitting out you'd be sitting outside writing your tribute to me for the let me get started on this because <laughs> you know tap the pen to my tongue be proactive. Like, read, just stop talking you did um i love you, you but you, you're gone yeah yeah i mean it would be so a, bad it'd be a sincere it's and so test of friendship and I don't know that I would oh pass. Oh my god, it's so bad. Um, it's so bad. That whole thing. That's you mentioned earlier, and this is not the only example of it, but just like to you know to to pile upon that. But that whole mean spirited thing that that is absolutely that's where that's an, a prime example of where it kind of comes out. Is you just you just saturate her with uh-uh. all these creepy crawly nasties. Well, just, and there are moments mm-hmm. where you're like, surely this isn't real, but those look real, real. They sure look real. Oh, uh, man. Some uh, of them look real. Reaching I in looking that, it up. I did love that. I do enjoy that moment. <laughs> she reaches in the wrong spot and his, his little hand pops out. <laughs> his hand. The other one. Like, Over there. You know. Over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But yeah, that's. That's. It's terrible. It ain't right. That, it ain't right. It mm-hmm. ain't right times a thousand. It so ain't right. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's terrible. Not right. What about you? Um, so I'm going to mention, I'm going to mention one that's already been alluded to and I'm sure one of us will mention another one uh, that's later in the film, but uh, I'm just going to mention just the whole menu oh, not, of items on, at the, at the Pankot palace. Just like, it's just not, I mean, you got freaking snake. First of all, you start with snake surprise, pregnant no, snake surprise. No, thank you. No, just no, yes. No, thank you. What? Uh, and then, and here's the thing is like, they set it up. They set up this thing at the very beginning where, I mean, this poor woman 
has not had a bite to eat. I understand, I at least understand the moment where the that impoverished village mm-hmm. give yeah, her sure. food and he's like, you got to stomach it at that point yeah, because they are sacrificing for scene. you. And yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like you, this is more food than these people eat in a week. I get it. You got to stomach it at that point. But then these other, then the freaking, they bring out freaking scarab beetles, which they're eating like oysters. That's just, that's, I, I can't, I can't with any of that. But that, here's the thing. I can believe, I can believe that like, you know, barbecued scarab beetles or something, fried scarab beetles is a delicacy somewhere. I can believe that. There's people in the world who eat like all kinds of things. But like, is there such a thing as eyeball soup with the eyeballs and the viscous just like floating in the thing? Like just, I can't, I can't. My man said eyeballs with ridiculous. the viscous. Uh-uh. I don't know what the worst <laughs> That's word what they, there they, is. They pop I up know. and they're looking at you. I know. <laughs> they're just like, hi, like, hey, how you doing? Eat me. And, then, and yeah. And then the, the. What is it? Chilled monkey brains? Like, mm-hmm. no, thank Chilled you. monkey brains. No, so no, there's the pregnant snake no, cut no, open, no, dozens of baby snakes spill out and eaten, beetles, uh, the eyeball soup, Mm-mm. and the chilled monkey brains. But read, there's nothing, Mm-mm. there's no, Mm-mm. there's no racial stereotypes happening in the scene whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I mean, it's so, what the critics yes, of this movie right. have going on in their woke brains. It's, yeah, I've said it. It's so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that, and those, and those are the kind of things, I mean, I can contemporary. I, I I can contextualize things in real time. This is a film from the mid '80s. I can contextualize that, but those are moments where I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, like <laughs> at a certain point, you got to pump the brakes on some of this nonsense. That's <laughs> a little ridiculous. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, all of that. The menu at Bangkok Palace is is a no thank you. That's a big ain't right. None of it. Yeah, it's it's too much. It's like okay, it it's like season four stranger things you're like this is too much no <laughs> <laughs> man compared no man compared to, now you're mad at it now you're just it's, now you're it's just getting like, there this, yeah this yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh man oh man um yes we can't leave a discussion of temple of dooms yeah. that ain't right moments without talking about the heart punch um this is it and yes <laughs> the heart punch. i did just make an undertaker reference from my wrestling buddy here yeah you sure did i know you sure did i, I appreciate um, it um there are few things that live rent free in my adolescent <laughs> brain, like this scene. It just mm-hmm. whenever mm-hmm. a person mm-hmm. of our generation saw this movie, this scene. We talked earlier about one. performers and characters. This scene, not character and performer, but just that it exists. Yeah, how it friggin' terrifies the imagination of eighties mm-hmm. kids the world over. Oh, absolutely. And how you yeah. never ever forgot it it's the it's the prototype for things that we described way back in the day when we talked about bone tomahawk of like you mentioned certain movies and you're like that scene this is a prototype Mm -hmm. for that scene that's the one we're talking about and no mistaken when when you could go to anybody to your point you go up to anybody who saw temple of doom in the 80s or as a child and say like oh man that scene though they know exactly what you're talking about they ain't talking about the paint palace menu they They talk about creepy crawlies they might but 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 this is the one that that that's the one that's the one if they saw it on tv they'd skip that part but that's okay yes dinner is like a (laughs) is like a relatively close second but this is top yeah (laughs) this is yeah this is that ain't right plus premium (laughs) year-long subscription (laughs) (laughs) this is yeah this is which is funny because even watching it now you're like hmm that's an interesting scene i've lived kind of (laughs) In deep, deep anxiety about this scene for decades. <laughs> Clearly, I'm sedated I when I back. watch these movies. 
but here's the funny thing about it. No, you're the. I have spent most of my life going like, man, films don't desensitize you. You have disproven that. Like, freaking, the first time you watch Thing and you're like, oh my God, that dog. And now you're like, look at that dog. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then you talk about this scene living in infamy yeah. and you're like, look at that. Hmm. He just ripped that man's heart out. He just, it's they still shouldn't beating. have done that to that fellow. Look at that. How's he still, how's he still <laughs> kicking? <laughs> Your brain keeps going to the mechanics of it. Wait, yeah, how's yeah. that possible? How's that work? <laughs> Uh-uh. Instead of jaw dropping, right, right, terror, <laughs> agape, like, yeah. oh my god, oh, yeah, you know, you've over, you've crossed over the horizon line on your horror intake. And you're like, <laughs> man, I mean, it's just his heart, you know. Um, Lord have okay, mercy, that right. has been read. That ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. That ain't. That ain't though. Um, um, I will say this. I forgot this, and now I'm seeing it, and it, wor- it is worth mentioning. There is one jump scare that really worked on me in this one, and it's when uh, Willie and Short Round are on the sort of precipice overlooking the ceremonial grounds inside the cavern. Oh. And the I call him the thuggy thug because don't they call them the thuggies or something? I call him the thuggy the thug. Yeah, yeah there's thuggy. <laughs> you know, the thuggy thug just kind of emerges into the frame to get her. I mean, it made oh, me jump. Yeah, yeah, made yeah. me jump. It's like, how you doing? Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Where's your heart? Um, <laughs> uh, any any more stuff you want to talk about that isn't thematic? It feels. I don't think. I feel that's... like I feel like we're like here. It's like Indiana Jones. Like what else? I know. Well, yeah, but here's. I know. Well, what's interesting, this is supposed to be a prequel. Um, yeah, that's wild. And, and uh, one, another thing that I feel like, this is what stood out to me, and, and this is meant to be a didactic observation. Maybe it will bridge the gap to theme. Raiders of the Lost Ark, the premise is he is searching for the Lost Ark of the Covenant. I mean, while ostensibly a straightforward adventure film and arguably... Uh, a, a a pinnacle example of that form of cinematic storytelling. Um, it has uh, a, a spiritual undercurrent, a religious mythology undercurrent mm-hmm. to it. Last Crusade, same story, picking up right where they left off, but they've got the Holy Grail, and there's language about uh, Christological mythology that is baked into the, the narrative of the story. And I don't think I ever... Uh, really mirrored Temple of Doom with that. I saw Temple of Doom always as kind of the antithesis of that kind of conversation, but to the characters in this film, and and again, it cannot be overstated that there are stereotypes in this film that are, of course, yeah, to say the least, um, grossly offensive, uh, some of them at a minimum. Um, but the root of it is these this relic is sacred to these people. Mm-hmm. These stones is they're, they're sacred to these people and has had in their beliefs and observations, a direct impact on the quality of their life that the, that the water dried up when the stones were taken from them. And so there's this undercurrent, but you also mirror that. And this is fascinating. And I don't know what, if any time we'll spend on this, but you also have this alternative religion, I'm reluctant to call it a cult because I don't think that's really fair to the narrative of the story. It's it's a religious, you know, um, sect. movement sect. Yes, um, of the Kali mm-hmm. uh, of the of this entity Kali, and uh, I mean, worth noting, clearly not without its 
authentic power. I mean, beating heart out the out the chest uh, kind of thing. And that did strike me as interesting because up until this most recent viewing, my own ignorance and my own, you know, just lack of thinking about it this way, I had always seen Raiders and Last Crusade as like, oh, well, those have religious considerations and Temple of Doom really doesn't. But it, it does. Uh, it's just of a different nature and something we've both said multiple times now, uh, not as mature as the handling of those same subjects in Last mm-hmm. Crusade and, and Raiders. Um, and, uh, and that's not even to say that Raiders and Last Crusade handle it as maturely as they could have, just simply sure. <laughs> they handle it much more maturely than, than they handle this. Um, so it's just, it, it, it was fascinating to me to watch, and, and, and it did spark, I wasn't, actively trying to like oh what what thematic stuff am i going to talk about in in temple of doom but let's talk um that you uh, what yeah he he showed up for like a second um just drove by because he forgot his hat Mm -hmm. um but uh i did love that 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 was my adventure and that that i forgot it was it was it was really nice um no to get back to the point is the reclaiming of sacred things which have been stolen from us Mm. now i'm not going to go on a very long rant. I've shared my heart about a subject like that uh, on conversations on this episode or on this show before um, about that being a, a kind of a, a an eminent and present and vibrant sort of consideration in my mind about things which are sacred that then get sort of stolen for differing purposes, uh, ways that, you know, I'm going to use the language of the film, but the way that, um, stones which bring light when they're together and, and in the appropriate place get stolen to be leveraged for power and to be leveraged for consumption and uh, and those kinds of considerations. That stood out to me this time around. Um, I've watched this film, you know, half a dozen times or more and never really, that never really pinged for me this time around. And the ways that the the bad guys, the thuggies, uh, in this in this film, um, are literally like, I know it's funny, but that's that's literally what they're called. Um, but the way that they have um, leveraged children mm-hmm. for their own purposes, and the way that they've, um, yeah, just sort of dug in on that being their operating system, their uh, focal points, their uh, arsenal and weaponry. Uh, they have poisoned the mind of the Maharaja, that mm-hmm. little you know preteen guy. But that wasn't lost on me either. That he, you know, the leader has been, you know, in this particular scenario has been sort of captivated and and brainwashed is the only word that comes to mind. But he's been hypnotized and 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 sort of the veil has been pulled over him on by this religious sect. Um, so that was a lot of that was just bubbling under the surface and the film, I say this sincerely, the film is not mature enough to say anything substantive about it because the film's primary aim is thrills and laughs and adventure. That's the film's primary aim. Um, but it was impossible. I would say for me to ignore those dots connecting the further I made my way through the film. And I don't know if that's, you may hear that and be like, well, read, you know, reinvest in therapy or maybe that's, uh, no, you know, maybe it's there. No. Yeah. I mean, you should, and everybody should, but, um, everybody should not necessarily for that reason. While uh, I think 
what you're identifying there uh, is is decisively in the text. Something that I was just kind of moved is a wrong word because ultimately this is a adventure story series, a little bit of a throwback, a little bit of pulp vibes to it, as these two guys loved in their youth, Spielberg and Lucas, that is. And pulp's a great word for it. Yeah, totally. That said, I just love and was reminded of a love for the concept of Indiana Jones, which at its core is not really like this one thematically starts to break this thing. I'm trying to applaud it for with the fortune and glory theme, but Mm. generally speaking, what this guy is after, even though he's super skilled as an adventurer is kind (laughs) of reclaiming or uh, might be the wrong word, restoring, uh, uh, placing in its right place, cultural elements, like from a historical Mm -hmm. standpoint, from a sociological standpoint, like there's just something really lovely about that concept. Now it's going to have its, you know, it's extremes and, and one film to the next is going to potentially fall off on sides that steer away from that. But I just love the idea of that. Like it, it might be in last crusade, just a line that burst into my brain of this belongs in a museum or something. I can't remember which film that is, but that's last crusade. Yeah. 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 Just this, this I- belongs in a museum. Yeah, yeah. Just this idea that his goal Again, someone could poke holes in this idea, but what I took away from Temple of Doom this time was appreciation for the character of Indiana Jones as adventurer out to restore things, not purely for self gain, uh, mm-hmm. which yeah. which feels a little uncharacteristic of traditional adventure storytelling. Yeah, and you're you're not at all wrong to cite this specific adventure of him reclaiming the stones from Pankot Palace as unique to all of his adventures. Now, I never, I I haven't seen the entirety of like the young Indiana Jones series. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the films, the, the film adventures. It's all that even quest for the Holy grail and the uh, quest for the Raiders or for the lost Ark of the covenant begin as let's claim them so that we can have them. And so that we can display them or so that we can at least, and, and in a couple of instances in the very beginning of temple of doom, he's selling to the highest bidder, but this unique mission to reclaim these stones, you are completely spot on. This is a mission to restore what has been stolen and to, and to put his particular set of skills <laughs> um, at use to being able to aid this village as opposed to personal glory, personal gain, any of that sort of thing. And, and uh, I do think that that does give the film a kind of a, 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 a noteworthy resonance to be able to say like, yeah, this is what he's after is for that kind of, that sense of restoration uh, and aid to this impoverished village rather than fame, glory, you know, highest bidder kind of stuff. Um, it's so funny. And, this is, yeah utterly random and might be my last note before we just, it's up to you if we want to go ahead and go to the fog meter, but this is not what I was referring to earlier when I was being a bit coy about current modern actors, but because my kids like these movies, the last couple of days, they've been watching the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which, which I've, I've gotten hmm. less and less affection for over the years. And, and so you've got having just watched Temple of Doom in view juxtaposed with walking in and out of the room while they're watching what this is what I mean. 
perhaps not Black Pearl, though to a degree maybe still so, but those movies wink at you the whole time and and kind of wear their uh, zaniness on their sleeve um, in ways <clears throat> that I, for this viewing of Temple of Doom, despite some of its excesses, um, I didn't quite, uh, I didn't get annoyed by that in this movie. Even little oh, things yeah, like yeah, yeah. our conversation, hearkening back to our conversation about Goonies. I loved Reed. I loved the set and the use of the set during the fight scene on the conveyor belt. Like this is mm, a, mm, an occupied mm-hmm. physical space that actors are moving around in and getting into conflict and adventure and, and, you know, right. Rough housing right, right, and right. blah, blah, blah. It's all just an, a physical space. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and well, it's, it's interesting you say that. And I, I do want to call out only because just recently I watched everything everywhere all at yeah. once. And, uh, uh, K Hu Kwan, I don't I do not know how to appropriately For say what it's his worth, name. I'll but, take, I'll let you off the hook here. Even his IMDB references, he goes by Jonathan also. So, if you oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'll just call him Jonathan. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it's interesting cause he was in Goonies and he's in this right. and, uh, and so it was just, yeah. And it was fun seeing him and everything everywhere all at once. But, um, but no, I, th- I think, uh, so, so what's interesting is, and I, I will, I will briefly, uh, tie this back, uh, at, on our way to the fog meter and then on the way out, um, back to the whole reason that we created this, idea for a mixtape series, which was inspirations for stranger things. And, you know, we, in, in watching the Goonies, we observed this spirit of adventure, this, this, you know, sort of, um, a never say die community quite literally, Mm -hmm. um, in the Mad Max films talking about even one man can make a difference. Um, and just sort of making a difference in general, uh, even in a, a, gr- a grizzled and sort of uh, post-apocalyptic world. In Akira, you cited last week this concept of reaching for restoration following apocalypse. And then here in Temple of Doom, we did not plan this beforehand. When you and I built this franchise or built this little miniseries mixtape, it was just about like, what's influenced Stranger Things and would be fun to talk about. Yep. These four would, you know, but I am seeing this, this trend, this theme about reclamation and about restoration that keeps coming back uh, in this sense in, in very different ways. Each of these four films are unique in their own approach to that concept. Uh, and, and I would even go so far as to say that maybe with the exception of Goonies, Temple of Doom might be the least mature in terms of the way it tackles that subject of the four films that we've covered. But they all are aiming for that. You observed rightly so, and 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 I think uh, encouragingly so about how this adventure Indiana Jones is trying to restore what's been stolen from this community again, loss and devastation, and then reclamation. Tying it back briefly into into Stranger Things, I said in one of our patron segments, I forget which one it was, but I said in one of our patron segments that Stranger Things is at its best when it's identifying that feeling of despair, that feeling of hopeless hopelessness the darkness that threatens to kind of undermine everything and then is reclaimed by relationship that it, it, what, what brings you back into focus and sort of conquers that voice is the relationship around you. And in viewing these things as a whole, 
I didn't even kind of intend to. I kind of stumbled up into this, but uh, kind of trying to put a bow on the whole idea is, you know, we've gone through, still going through. It's it it's hard sometimes not to feel like it's all just gonna keep getting worse, mm-hmm. and it's hard sometimes not to feel like yeah, it's just. There are certain things that are just going to keep the hits are just going to keep coming. There's there's going to be some new devastating thing on the horizon, um, and it's interesting again to me. It's interesting again in that I would not cite Temple of Doom as a particularly hopeful film, but on the heels of this mixtape and in the way that we've just said it about like yeah, you look at Goonies and there's treasure to be found everywhere. You look at you know, uh, you're you're only one person, but you can make a difference in the little uh, with the Mad Max films and the little. You know, you are who you help mm. was a big observation about that, and so that's that's another through line. What I'm doing actively, intentionally in this moment, if listeners can't pick up and if co-hosts can't pick up, is I'm just I'm threading through the things that we've recently discussed to aim towards something that I find deeply encouraging and, and quite frankly, need to verbalize in this season in my life and in this moment in my life, which is that like. There's treasure to be found everywhere, as Goonies tells us, and we are who we help, as the Road Warrior tells us, um, and we can reach out for restoration. If we could go back and and change what had happened, we would, but we can still reach forward for restoration, and universes are born every day, as Akira uh, kind of indicates, and what sacred things that have been stolen and repurposed and, and taken for other means uh, can be reclaimed um, if we are willing to you know, sort of take that step um, towards diminishing our own self-interests in the sake of aiding a community and putting our skills to work in that end instead of for self-seeking ends. That's very, uh, I I, I needed to verbalize that. Hmm. So listeners may hear that and and just be like, oh, okay, yeah. But but I needed to verbalize that because I did not, when we set out to do this series, I kind of thought this would just be, fun and it has been a, a whole lot of fun but i was not expecting some of the optimistic messages to connect and 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 dot together yeah. and rise up from these films that we've that we've discussed i did not anticipate that when we built no, this little mixtape but i appreciate it and i love it and uh, and yeah and i'm for myself i'm content to leave it there uh, unless you had some thoughts on that or wanted to share more about that nope. so um so yeah, the the fog meter is our very unique metric, uh, our very specific metric, I should say, of fear and God, wherein we measure the scares and the substance of the material that we cover. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. On the fear measurement, I'll go first. Um, if my ten year old self was watching it, man, this would be off the charts. <laughs> friggin' heart beating, friggin' snake surprise, creepy crawly, mm-hmm. nasty, whatever. I mean, all that stuff is still there and still present. Um, it's a bit muted by today's standards, and its zaniness, if you will, sort of dilutes its pure power. Um, but I think it still well warrants a seven on the fear factor. What would you say? Seven feels smart because uh, i was even thinking when you were just saying that like even things like the heart punch are still really well visualized like it mm. it mm-hmm. visually mm-hmm. works even 30 years on um 35 years on whatever it is um yeah, sure does uh so so yeah i think i i had forgotten 
its level of that ain't right. And so even watching it, I was like, (laughs) oh, this actually isn't as as maybe uh, a strange a fit as we might have thought inherently, you know. There's just a lot of na- right. a lot of nasty in it. <laughs> there sure is. Um, what would you give it for the God Meter? Um, despite you know its its eccentricities, I really was just kind of like maybe to your point. I needed, however well this movie does, what I'm about to describe is is not the mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. It's it's the impression mm-hmm. I got. I needed to see a character do a thing for the good of doing the thing. And not really, yeah, I get that because he wanted the thing, or you know, yeah, or, or I get that. you know, gain is his goal. Um, so, so something about that really struck me this time, and and really resonated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at least from my version of that idea, I'll I'll go with a seven, yeah. a seven on this. Okay, um, I hear you on all of that, and even agree on all of that. I think my version of generosity is still going to tone that down a little bit sure. because I do, I can't quite escape. And I would say this just, just in general, like strong time is precious. Strongly encourage if you're, if you're sitting in a moment and you're just like, Oh yeah, I'm kind of, kind of on this wavelength would really like to do something different. Check out last crusade again, rewatch it. Cause man, you know, all the thrills and all of that with, with some even more depth to it on the depth factor. Um, I think we've latched onto something that is text of the film, but I don't think it's intent of the film. I'm going to, again, in the spirit of generosity, even just kind of land at a five for myself. Um, but uh, yeah, would would revisit those other films. They, they hold up so remarkably well. That means that we give Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom a six and a half out of 10 on the fog meter. Uh, still a pretty substantive showing for a film of this nature and of this type. Uh, do you recommend it? Yeah, I think it was fun. And and mm-hmm. I'll frame it this way: I wouldn't recommend Crystal Skull, but even with this being maybe a shaky link in the chain of the franchise, I still kind of enjoyed the watching of it. And kind of had fun with it. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I that's that's exactly where I am right now. Like, yeah, it's an Indiana Jones that fits the bill, and it is fun. It's not going to waste your time. It's entertaining, uh, and so yes, I recommend it. I. I'll, I'll say the opposite. I also don't recommend Crystal Skull. I don't recommend it as enthusiastically as I would Last Crusade, but I still recommend it. I think Temple of Doom's great, and and I have fun every single time I watch it. There's some scenes in here that are still just a blast. That bridge scene—that's great. Uh, it that, is great. Uh, that whole bridge scene is just wonderful. Um, so yeah, there's some there's some really great stuff in there, and 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 like I said. Uh, near the beginning of the episode, when compared to its siblings on either side, it pales, but taken on its own merit it's still such a thrilling and fun adventure how can you how can you not have fun <laughs> watching sure. indiana jones and the Temple of doom so um so yeah that uh not only concludes our discussion about indiana jones but it concludes our mixtape the second half of our our my computer just asked me if i was playing music so um <laughs> so um but uh that, that concludes incredible. this half of it that means that we next week are going to have we're we're there's nothing to it but to do it we are going to have this conversation about not only the epic 73 hour finale of stranger things season four but we are also going to be discussing the season as a whole 
Uh, we're going to have some guests on that episode. We're going to have some fun on that episode. We're going to have some laughs. We might even have some debates, given what I know about how people feel about certain things. So it's going to be fun. Next week is going to be a whole lot of fun. So next week, we are going to be having the concluding uh, conversation about Stranger Things Season 4. Um, so please join us for that. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, as always, uh, listeners, for hanging with us. Nathan, thank you so much for hanging in on this conversation. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.